This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by the New York Times. Right now, you can still get a full digital subscription to the most important newspaper in the known world for only 50 cents a week. If we want to examine how low and insulting an amount 50 cents a week is, Elon Musk is worth, at the time of this writing, which is today, $185,742,808,000. So basically, Elon Musk could buy subscriptions of the New York Times, or every single one of the world's 7,846,000,000 people could be given 47 subscriptions each by one man. Or he could just give us all $23.67. That's kind of upsetting. Get the New York Times for only 50 cents a week by going to nytimes.com. Okay, I know what you're thinking. How the hell have I decided to make an entire episode about Dijon mustard? Sure, sometimes I find myself making shows about Hawaiian pizza or hot dogs, or even last week's horrible history of mac and cheese. Shows like that are fun episodes. But after this long talking about food and chefs and restaurants and random things, finding topics to talk about can be really hard. But. Just when it seems to me that I'm unable to find anything to talk about, when it seems that I won't have a new episode or I'm just going to rein it in and finally talk about Guy Fieri, a story comes my way like the one that I'm going to talk about today. Dijon mustard is fascinating. Yes, the jar of Dijon that you have in your fridge and that has probably been there for way too long. Unlike most condiments, Dijon mustard is old, really old. And the stories and its history are not only fascinating, but can be traced from French kings in the 1300s all the way to the Wu-Tang Clan and hundreds of other hip-hop artists rapping about it. So today, this episode is all about Dijon mustard. Why? Because Dijon mustard, despite what you may believe, is cool. And it was cool way before any of us were on this planet. And also, because I'm Brian Clark, and this is Let's Talk About Chef. Mustard seeds have been used in cooking for thousands of years. And it's assumed that one of the reasons people liked them so much was because by simply crushing them into a paste and spreading them on food that either wasn't fresh or well on its way to spoiling, you could make things taste better. If Dijon mustard has a history, and we're going to get into it, mustard has a really fascinating history on its own. 
The Egyptians entombed their kings with bags of mustard seeds. The Greeks thought mustard improved your memory. And the Romans made mustard in a way that's very, very similar to the modern method, brought mustard seeds to Burgundy in France. Dijon was strategically located along their major trade routes, and by the Middle Ages, the bright yellow blossoms of mustard plants could be seen everywhere. Now, as I said, mustard didn't grow in France originally, but was brought to the country by Roman soldiers. And they did that because the climate was suitable to be able to grow the plant and because they loved to eat it. The Romans started jarring their version of mustard by grinding mustard seeds with a cannonball and then adding vinegar, making it the first liquid mustard that they would carry with them. But before we get to that little jar of Dijon being handed to rich people from their Rolls Royces and influencing hundreds of rap songs, we need to go back, way back in France to the year 1336, when Dijon mustard was invented for a royal banquet in the honor of King Philip VI. When guests to this event first tasted Dijon mustard, they collectively lost their minds and at that event alone devoured over 70 gallons of the stuff. After the banquet, the gospel of mustard started to be spread across the country, with cooks in other estates and other royal chefs putting their own spins on the basic recipe. The earliest recipe that was used at that banquet used mustard seeds and vinegar to give the mustard a tangy flavor. But over time, mustard makers swapped out the vinegar for verjuice, which is the juice that you get from pressing unripe grapes. And that made the condiment taste somehow more refined. The first man to do that, by the way, was a man named Jean Nigeon in 1752. And an early cookbook from that time period talked about how to make verjuice. Frugal French housewives did not waste much. During the harvest, all grapes that were not ripe were set apart from mature grapes ready for the wine vats. The nicest looking green grapes were then pricked with a fork and put into jars. The rest of the green grapes were pressed to extract the juice from the skins and seeds. The juice was then added to the bottles of grapes and a little sugar and then 90 proof alcohol. That made for juice after two months or more. A little while later, the idea of adding white wine and white wine vinegar was born and Dijon mustard became the most widely used and celebrated condiment in France. So much so that King Louis XV even gave mustard makers their own coat of arms in the 1600s which is a silver funnel against a navy blue background. Around this time, in order for you to be able to call your mustard true Dijon mustard on your label, it had to be made in Dijon, France. Much like true champagne has to be from the Champagne region in France today, and what you're probably drinking is Prosecco. If you were able to prove that your mustard came from the Dijon region, the name Dijon on your label could have a capital D. And if you made Dijon mustard somewhere else in France, you had to use a lowercase d instead. By the time Napoleon, who ruled France from 1848 to 1870, Dijon mustard was everywhere. Napoleon himself loved Grey Poupon, which became the most popular version of Dijon mustard. The Grey Poupon Mustard Company was formed in 1777 by Maurice Grey and August Poupon. The reason why it became the most popular mustard was because Grey Poupon co-founder Maurice Gray decided to crush the mustard seeds into a fine powder instead of leaving them whole. And up until this point, mustard seeds were crushed by hand turning a wheel. But Gray invented a steam-powered machine to crush the seeds, which increased the amount of mustard a worker could make in a day. In the Grey Poupon factory in Dijon, workers went from only being able to make around 35 pounds of mustard per worker per day to over a hundred pounds a day, and the company's profits soared, making them the most popular mustard company. 
Maurice Gray, because of his steam-powered mustard seed crusher, even became the first mustard producer to be given a royal title. And with his mustard being the best tasting one, it was used in royal kitchens, fine culinary restaurants. But because it was so cheap to make, people at home could afford to eat it as well, which is something that would continue hundreds of years later in America. More on that and how Grey Poupon became hip-hop's favorite condiment right after this break. Thanks to Freedom Mobile's Big Gig Unlimited data plans, I'm finally free to post all my hot takes on social media. All right, here we go. Hot take. If you slap two pizzas together, that's a sandwich. The earth isn't flat or round. It's a cube. Dogs and cats are secretly dating. Will Arnett is the greatest living actor. And I'm banned from all social media. I guess the truth is just too spicy for some people. Get the freedom of Canada's most affordable unlimited data plans. Learn more at freedommobile.ca. Conditions apply. In 1946, the Hubline Company bought the rights to make Grey Poupon in America. And for a while, they struggled to find a way to get into the market. Grey Poupon was more expensive than other mustards Americans were used to, like French's, which dominated the mustard market. Not only that, North Americans were used to yellow, ballpark mustard, not seedy or smooth Dijon. Grey Poupon didn't come in a squeeze bottle, it came in a small glass jar, and cost almost double the amount a price people simply weren't prepared to pay. You have to remember that at this time, at the grocery store, in the mustard section, there would be French's, and then there would usually be one other called Jones, and that was it. All of a sudden, these little more expensive jars of mustard showed up, and nobody wanted to buy them. Advertising for Grey Poupon was limited to only magazines and newspapers, until, by the 1980s, Grey Poupon needed a facelift, and so the ad agency of Crispin, Porter, and Boguski was hired. They had already developed ads for Domino's Pizza and Burger King, and so they were asked to come up with a brand new snazzy ad campaign. And what they delivered to televisions was something that would launch the mustard into the mainstream. Now, if you haven't seen the commercials, two Rolls Royces pull up next to one another, and the two rich guys exchange a bottle of Grey Poupon. That little 30-second ad was brilliant for so many different reasons. It played upon the notion that Grey Poupon was for rich people, but that anyone could afford it. And the phrase, excuse me, do you have any Grey Poupon, became a common saying that everyone said. The ads for the mustard over the next decade were played with people on yachts and other fancy cars, all asking and eating and enjoying for Grey Poupon. And now this brings us to 1992, when Brooklyn hip-hop duo Daz FX, they were known for being the first hip-hop group to start the trend of putting Iggy at the end of words. And it was a song called East Coast where the first reference to Grey Poupon in hip-hop history happened. The verse was, he's the Don, have you seen my Grey Poupon? And then bust this, we roll more spliffs than Cheech and Chong. But here's the clip. Now, 1992 is also the year that a little movie called Wayne's World came out, 
and the famous scene of Garth and Wayne headbanging to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody launched the song back into the top of the Billboard charts and everyone talked about it. But what happens right before they sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody? This does. From that point on, Grey Poupon became the condiment of choice for rappers to talk about who wanted an easy word to rhyme with words like futon and crouton that sounded cool but also illustrated the idea of being rich and luxury. Every single year from 1992 to 2016, Grey Poupon has been featured in rap songs, from Wu-Tang to Kanye West. And all in all, over 120 rap songs make reference to the mustard. Don't believe me? Don't think there's a single possible way I spent way too much time finding every single reference I could? You're wrong. Here we go. Get it with the way anything to say, Poupon. Shorty, come a brain with a nigga to me. 
References to Grey Poupon peaked in hip-hop in 2007, which was over a decade after the ad stopped airing at all. And why is that? Why did rappers in the early 90s, who were kids when the ads were being played, want to rap about Dijon Mustard? Because a lot of hip-hop artists come from poor backgrounds, and when they were kids watching commercials of people in Rolls Royces eating mustard, it associated a better lifestyle to, of all things, a condiment. Rapping about Grey Poupon now in songs seems to be just a trope, like if you're rapping about Rolexes or money or anything. But rapping about Grey Poupon will not go away. I only played you like 18 clips. There's another 100 songs that I can easily find that all mention Grey Poupon. All this really goes to show is the power that food advertising has. And I'm okay with it. It's kind of fun to hear people rap about mustard. See, I told you it was cool. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written and hosted by me, Brian Clark. If you want to write into the show, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. I want to thank our sponsors for this episode and I also want to thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. We'll be back next week with another new episode. And so until then, as always, I'm Brian Clark. Have a great service and have a great week.